0: Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott.
1: I've been discussing Jesus' self-understanding of His Deity Richard Dawkins says in The God Delusion, page 92, the historical evidence that Jesus claimed any sort of divine status is minimal. He adds, ever since the 19th century, scholarly theologians have made an overwhelming case that the Gospels are not reliable accounts of what happened in the history of the real world. All written long after the death of Jesus, and also after the epistles of Paul. It is true that that was the case in the 19th century, and Dawkins is merely repeating what was claimed there, but that conclusion has been debunked in the 20th century and Dawkins has conveniently omitted that fact. Indeed, in Chapter 11 of Cold Case Christianity, J. Warner Wallace gives a convincing argument that the dating of Mark's Gospel is somewhere between 45 to 50 A.D., and Luke's Gospel, between 50 to 53 A.D., and the Acts of the Apostles between 57 to 60 A.D. And Romans, typically dated at 50 A.D., proclaims that Jesus is the resurrected Son of God in Romans 1-4. Jesus died in 33 A.D. So 17 years after the resurrection, Jesus is described as divine. Divine. He is God incarnate, just as the writers of the Gospels described. In previous episodes, I have discussed Jesus' divine credentials, and now I am discussing his divine titles. One writer has counted 254 titles for Jesus in the Bible. I will discuss a very few of those titles. The first title I have discussed is that of Messiah. Jesus gave four overt claims and nine indirect claims to be the Messiah. In some of those occasions, other titles like the Son of God and the Son of Man came out in the conversation as well. In this episode, I want to address the second title, Yahweh. Jesus likely used the divine name Yahweh for himself in John 8, verse 18, verse 24, and verse 28, chapter 13, verse 19, and chapter 18, verses 4 through 8, as he did so very clearly in chapter 8, verse 58, where Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus was attributing to himself that unique, forbidden, covenant-keeping, divine name that God spoke to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. God had called Moses to deliver the nation of Israel from bondage to Egypt. Moses responded, When I go to the sons of Israel... And I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. If they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The designation, I am, may seem like an odd title to the modern ear. But when Jesus used the phrase I am as a title for himself in John 8, verse 58, and when he said, I and the Father are one, in John 10, verse 31, the Jews immediately picked up stones intending to kill him. What about these stones? Two statements caused such a violent reaction. The people clearly understood he was identifying himself as Yahweh. If Jesus were not God, indeed this would be blasphemy. And stoning was the prescribed penalty for blasphemy in Old Testament law in Leviticus 24, verse 16. However, in the conversation with the Jews in John 8, verse 58, Jesus began with the words, I tell you the truth. This is rendered as verily, verily in the King James Version of the Bible and truly, truly in the New American Standard Bible. Jesus used such language only when he was making a very important statement or teaching. Millard Erickson, in his book, The Word Became Flesh, on page 434, tells us that in these words, Jesus was stating the strongest possible oath and claim that he could possibly make. We might paraphrase these words as, I assure you, I swear to you, most solemnly I promise you. Jesus did not want there to be any confusion, so he claimed in the strongest possible terms to be the eternal God. Notice also that when the Jews picked stones up to kill him, Jesus did not say, Oh no, you've taken my statement all wrong. I was never claiming to be God Almighty. Rather, Jesus let his meaning stand because he indeed was claiming to be God. Jesus made a similar declaration in John chapter 14, verse 9. He said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. But then he was alone with his disciples, and they were not interested in stoning him, for many of them already had declared him as being the Christ or the Son of God. Kevin Van Hooser says that Jesus was making a claim to divinity in each of his I am statements. In Greek, the first person singular form of a verb includes the word I. So the first person singular I, me, is I am, I, I exist, I live, or I am present. Ego is a Greek word for I. So the combination ego, I, me, means I am, as well as just the single word I, me. You could read ego, I, me, as I, I am, or you could read it as I, I am alone, where you realize the word I is intensified. I believe each time Jesus says ego, I me, he is identifying himself as Yahweh. There are, of course, some words of Jesus where it is recorded that he says I am using only the single word I me. For example, in John chapter 8, verse 23, Jesus said, You are from below, I am from above. Or in Matthew 11, verse 29, For I am meek and lowly of heart. In those cases, I doubt he was identifying himself as Yahweh. David Hall, a teacher at Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center, has a list of 28 I am statements in the Gospels, including the six I have already mentioned taken from the Gospel of John. Hall's list includes seven from Acts and Revelation. If you are interested, contact the station and I will give you these as well as some additional ones. The third title is the Son of God. Son of God is found 30 times in the Gospels. And elsewhere in the New Testament, some 20 times. The idea of a son of a father means they share the same essence. So son of God means the son is also divine. Many acknowledge Jesus to be the son of God. The angel Gabriel said Jesus is the son of God. John the Baptist attests the same fact. When Jesus began to choose his disciples, he allowed Andrew to regard him as the Messiah and Nathanael to call him the Son of God. At one of the Jewish trials, Jesus was accused of having said, I am the Son of God. The centurion guard at the crucifixion acclaimed him as the Son of God. Evil spirits called him Son of God in multiple places. The crowning testimony came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus himself said he was the Son of God. In John chapter 5, verse 25 and 27, chapter 10, verses 36 and 37. Why are some people still reluctant to do the same? Others have said Jesus was the Son of God, but Jesus himself called God his Father, and it therefore follows he was aware that he was the Son of God. Jesus used the extraordinarily rare term for God that he used throughout his ministry. It is in the realm of God's fatherhood that the uniqueness of Jesus' teaching becomes most evident The word Father appears on Jesus' lips some sixty five times in the Synoptic Gospels and over a hundred times in the Gospel of John. The New Testament designation of God as Father goes well beyond the Old Testament usage of the term. Israel had learned to conceive of God as Father and was so named in several places in the Old Testament. But the title there means that Israel, as a corporate whole, was viewed as God's son or firstborn, as declared in Hosea 11, verse 1, and Jeremiah 31, verse 9. Sonship of Israel, in this sense, however, is a national rather than an individual designation. God is mentioned as Father of certain individuals only rarely in the Old Testament. It was not until Jesus taught about his relationship with his Heavenly Father that people considered the possibility of a personal relationship with God. Certainly, with Judaism's transcendental view of God, absolutely no Jew would ever conceive of such an intimate relationship with God. I have been in ecumenical meetings between evangelical Christians and Orthodox Jews where the Jews were openly distressed at the Christian suggestion of an intimate personal relationship with God. Even some Christians have trouble of entering into fellowship with God. As a mode of address in Jesus' prayer, our Father was not unknown as the Father of of the nation. G.F. Moore in Judaism, Volume 2, pages 202 and following. Yet Jesus made the personal relationship with the Father God central to his preaching. He taught the Lord's Prayer as a pattern of prayer for his followers. It is a prayer to be used by those who are the possessors of saving grace and are truly converted. In the lips of an ungodly person, it is entirely out of place. The expression, Our Father, strikes a new personal note about prayer. There are three things every believer should know about prayer. One, one, God cares for you, First Peter five verse seventeen. Two, God hears our prayer because we are His children, First Peter three verse twelve. Three, you don't have to be a prayer giant to come to God in prayer. Found in Romans five two, and Ephesians three twelve, Hebrews four sixteen says, Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help in time of
0: need. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, DougApple at Wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.